الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان سيدنا وسندنا وشفيعنا وحبيبنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فاعلم انه لا اله الا الله واستغفر لذنبك وللمؤمنين والمؤمنات وعن ابي بكر الصديق رضي الله تعالى عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عليكم بلا اله الا الله والاستغفار فاكثروا منهما فان ابليس قال اهلكت الناس بالذنوب واهلكوني بلا اله الا الله والاستغفار او كما قال عليه الصلاه والسلام honorable ulama respected hafiz beloved brothers and elders every human being suffers with difficulty and every human being live alone a human being every single living creature looks for an exit and a way out of the problems the difficulties the stress and the distress he faces not once in a lifetime and not even once a day rather multiple times on one single day everyone looks for a way out whatever the problem may be this is not restricted to the human race this is applicable to every single creature that has been blessed with life the moment you are given life it's normal it's part of the package to go through some difficulty as well whilst it's imperative and important to find solutions for difficulties we face on a mundane level difficulties we face on a, in a worldly sense we've got to find solutions but more important is to search to look to ponder and to find solutions that solve our problems we face on a daily level regarding this an interesting incident is narrated after rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam left the world it was a time when sahaba radiyallahu anhum lost someone more dear to them than their own parents children and the entire world put together it was a major catastrophe that hit the ummah the loss of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam Sahaba radiyallahu anhum were going to mental and emotional stress. They were going through an emotional state of losing Nabi alayhi salatu wassalam. And therefore there were a lot of thoughts, there were a lot of things running through their minds. So on this occasion, Uthman radiyallahu anhu, he narrates he was seated in the masjid or in Madinah Munawwara. And Umar, Umar bin Khattab radiyallahu ta'ala anhu goes past. He makes salam to Uthman radiyallahu anhu. Uthman, leave alone hearing the salam. He didn't even know Umar walked past. 
Umar made salam, Uthman didn't reply. Umar radiallahu anhu took offense. He went up to the Khalifa of the time, Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, and complained, I'm making salam to this man, he's not replying. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu accompanies Umar. He doesn't take action. He comes to Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Uthman says, ثُمَّ أَقْبَلَا عَلَيَّ وَسَلَّمَا عَلَيَّ جَمِيعًا Both of them came, and now both of them made salam. But this time I heard the salam, so I replied. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu asked me, مَا حَمَلَكَ عَلَىٰ أَلَّا تَرُدَّ عَلَىٰ أَخِيكَ عُمَرَ سَلَامَهُ Why didn't you reply to Umar when he made salam? He found out. He never take action. He said, what happened? Before taking action and doing something to someone, let's find out. Let's see what's the real story. Maybe the man got an excuse. Uthman radiallahu anhu says, Wallahi ma fa'altu. I swear an oath in Allah's name, I didn't do that. Umar radiallahu anhu says, Qad fa'alta. Definitely, this is how you behaved a few minutes ago. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, who's presiding over the case, he says, Sadaqa Uthman. Uthman is speaking the truth. Then he tells him, Oh Uthman, it seems that something had overwhelmed you. There was a thought that consumed your mind and gripped your heart. Because of which you were oblivious of your surrounding. Leave alone hearing the salam of Uthman, you didn't even know he walked past. Uthman radiallahu anhu says, yes. There was a thought that gripped my mind. That Allah Ta'ala had taken away Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Qabla an nas'alahu, before I had the chance of asking him one pertinent question. He's the Rasul of Allah, Wahid descends on him. There's a question that's playing in my mind now after he's left the world. I'm regretting, why didn't I ask him this question whilst he was alive? And this thought gripped me so much. And it's because due to this thought, I didn't know what happened. Abu Bakr asked him, what's the question? He said, we didn't ask him, مَا نَجَاتُ هَذَا الْأَمْرِ وَفِي رِوَايَةٍ مَا نَجَاتُ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ When this ummah goes through problems, in whatever way, whether it's linked to deen or dunya, whether it's linked to your mundane affairs or your religious affairs, what's the way out, what's the solution, what's the exit, what's the escape plan, how do we relieve ourselves of problems? Had I only had the opportunity to ask him this question, I could have benefited the ummah today and benefited myself. What did Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu says? He told Uthman, O oh Uthman, inni qad sa'altuha. O oh Uthman, don't worry. Allah blessed me with the opportunity of asking the Rasul of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that question. Uthman stands up, he's excited, and he says, Bi anta wa ummi. May my mother and father be sacrificed for you, O Abu Bakr. Anta ahakku biha. Only a man of your caliber and status could have thought of that question long before us and was given the tawfiq of asking the question and receiving the answer. Tell me, O Abu Bakr, what did the Rasul of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say? So he said, I asked him, Ma najatu hadhi al-ummah, ma najatu hadhi al-amr. As far as dini affairs are concerned, as far as all the affairs of this ummah are concerned, what's the way out? What's the success, salvation, and exit, and escape, and relief to every problem? Uthman is eager to hear the answer, like you and I are eager to hear. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentioned a simple prescription, 
a simple solution. And really, wallahi, if it came from the lips of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, there can be no doubt. There can be nothing more effective to relieve us from our problems. Nabi alayhi salatu wasallam said, Man qabila minni al-kalimata allati aradhtu ala ammi faraddaha fahiya lahu najatun. That person who wholeheartedly accepts that statement which I presented to my uncle, but my uncle rejected it. Anyone who wholeheartedly accepts that statement, that statement will prove as a solution, an exit, a salvation, a way out for every problem that any human can possibly encounter. What's that kalima? La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This kalima holds the keys to the, holds the solution to every problem that we can be going through from that time till the day of Qiyamah. Till the last day, everything lies in this kalima. We may wonder that we're reciting this kalima from the time we born. It's probably the first words amongst the first words that entered our ears. And Allah make it the last words we'll recite before leaving this world. But, someone may think, I'm reciting this kalima, but I still got problems. So let's understand, what is meant by this hadith? What is meant, what did Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam mean by this kalima being a solution to all our problems? It's incumbent that we take the explanation, we, we hear a statement and we get the correct explanation. If we don't, we can land ourselves in bigger problems. On the lighter side, one person went to his physician for his routine checkup, medical examination. So the doctor advised him that, listen, my patient, everything is looking good. There's only one problem, your sugar is too high. So instead of asking the doctor, how must he bring down his sugar, get some medication, instead of taking the explanation from the doctor, he heard the statement and applied his mind. So what did he do? When he came home after the examination, he went straight into his pantry. And he removed the sugar from the higher shelf to the lower shelf because the doctor said his sugar is too high. He was supposed to take the explanation from the doctor. But he applied his own mind. Would that bring him any relief? The next time he goes to the doctor, his sugar will probably be higher. But that was because he didn't take the correct explanation. So let's understand. When Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam is saying, this kalima will relieve you of every problem. What's meant? What did the muhaddithin say? They say that this kalima is made up of two parts. What's the two parts? La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. Two parts, two components. In essence, this kalima is made of Allahu wa Rasuluhu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah and His Rasul, Quran and Hadith, the Quran Kareem and the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In other words, anything we do, anything we do, we put the kalima in front of us. And we ask ourselves, in this given situation, in this given conversation, anything we want to do, we want to say, or any place we want to go, what does Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam have to say regarding what I want to say, do, or the place I want to go. 
If we keep that in front of us, then really every no situation would overcome us because we'll know what Allah and His Rasul want from us. If we don't know it, we go and find out. I'm doing this, I intend doing this. What does Allah and His Rasul, what does Deen say, what does the Quran and Sunnah say? This is the guideline. Imagine, when Sahabi came to Rasulullah wasallam, and what did he say? He said, Dullani ala amalin a'tasimu bihi. Oh Rasulullah give me one action which I can hold on to very firmly. Something easy, something simple, something I can hold on to, latch on to, and something I can pass on to others. So what did Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam say? Give me one advice. Qur Rabbi Allah, Say, my Rabbi is Allah, they have to remain firm. In other words, in different words, Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam told him, hold on to your kalima. Hold on to your kalima, recite it, then remain firm unto it throughout your life. This kalima can be likened to a device that you and I use. Call it a tool, call it a survival tool, call it some type of instrument that a person uses when he is in a predicament. Sometimes he may be in, a, in some type of a jungle or a desert or some place where he got no sense of direction. When he needs to make his journey from point A to point B, what does he do? He, he, he uses the services of a tool we call the compass. And when he needs to go from one point to the other, he's going to keep looking at that compass. The more he looks at the compass, the more guidance he'll receive. It is as though that kalima that's embedded in our hearts and our minds is our daily compass. When we're suffering with problems, when we don't know which way to go, all we got to do is open up that compass and see what does Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam instruct us. Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That's simple. Does Allah like this? Does the alayhi salatu wasallam like this? In other words, anything we're doing, let's ask ourselves, if my eyes close now, would Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam be happy with what I'm doing or where I am? Now this is what Sahaba radiallahu anhum, this is what they lived by, this is what they held on to so firmly. An incident is recorded about one Sahabi radiallahu ta'ala anhu, whose name was Julaybib. Julaybib was a Sahabi who lived in a time of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, not a very famous, prominent, affluent person, Rather, they describe him as kana daniman qasira. He was a man who was not someone you'd look twice at. He was not much to look at. He was not very handsome. As far as stature was concerned, he was short. Once Nabi wasallam went to the Ansar, the habit was whenever there was a woman of marriageable age or a widow, then they wouldn't propose for that woman until they found out whether Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam wanted to propose for that woman. Once it was clear that he didn't want to propose, then they would propose. So Nabi alayhi salatu wasallam came to an Ansari and he told him, Zawijni bintaka. Hand the rights of marriage of your daughter to me, get me married to your daughter. What does this man say? Imagine who you're getting a proposal from, the Rasul of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He says, Naam wa karamatan. Of course, ya Rasulullah. How could I ever turn down this offer? Then Nabi cleared, cleared himself and he said, I'm not asking for myself, I'm asking for a man named Julaybib. The moment this 
Ansari heard the name Juleibib. Then he said, okay, okay, hold on. Ushawiru Ummaha, let me go make mashwara with my wife. Let me go home and see what, what, what's happening on that side. So he goes home and he says, Nabi Ali Salatu Wasalam said, Zawizni Binta, get me married to your daughter. The wife says, of course, why not? Then, then he says, but Nabi Ali Salatu Wasalam is not asking for himself, he's asking for Juleibib. So then the wife says, La wallahi la nuzawijuhu. Allah's qasam, no, 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 no. Anyone but Juleibib, not Juleibib. Juleibib, no. The daughter is overhearing what's happening and she comes forward and says, Man khatabani ilaykum. Did I hear correctly? Did I hear correctly? The Rasul of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is sending a proposal. Hal tarudduna ala Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam amrahu. Do you have the audacity to reject the proposal of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Idfa'uni Get me married to Julebi because the Rasul of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will never put me in problems. Nabi alayhi salatu heard of this. The nikah was performed. What did the Rasul of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say? When he heard of her response, he made a dua. Allahumma subba alayha al-khayra subba wa la taj'al aishaha kaddan kadda. Oh Allah, good will come down and you are blessing everyone with good. I'm paraphrasing. You bless everyone with good. But oh Allah, when you allow good to come on this woman, let it rain down. Let it come down in large amounts. And let her suffer no problem in her life and her livelihood. And people say after that, this woman was amongst the most prominent, affluent and enviable woman of the Ansar. Juleibib, on, after one battle, Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam said, هَلْ تَفْقِدُونَ أَحَدًا missing anyone? Is anyone not here? So they say, no, all our companions are here. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam looked around and said, but I don't see Juleibib. Where's Juleibib? They went to search for him. فَوَجَدُوهُ فِي جَنْبِ سَبْعَةٍ قَتَلَهُمْ ثُمَّ قَتَلُوهُ They found him next to seven kafirs, next to seven disbelievers. He killed all seven single-handed, and in the interim he also was made shaheed. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam was informed, he came to him. And he saw what Juleibib did. And he said, قَتَلَهُمْ قَتَلَ سَبْعَةً ثُمَّ قَتَلُوهُ He killed seven, and in the interim he was made shaheed. What did the Rasul of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say? wa ana minhu thalathan. Nabi Alayhi Salatu Wasallam repeated the statement three times. This man is part of me and I'm part of him. Not once, not twice, three times. Sahaba didn't say that Nabi Alayhi Salatu Wasallam lifted Juleibib with his own hands. And he kept him in his hands hatta hufiralah until the qabr was dug. Sahaba say if there was an occasion and an incident that we envied, this was the incident. Why? Malahu sarirun illa yaday Rasulullah sallallahu There was no bayah for this man. The bayah for him were the hands of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Then he put him into the qabr with his own mubarak hands. This man may have been outwardly challenged, physically challenged. As far as his looks and his height and complexion etc. were concerned. But his journey to the akhirat was more than remarkable. The last skin his body touched was the skin of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now when we analyze what did Juleibib do, Nabi alayhi salatu wasallam asked him to get married. He conformed. His wife, 
She also, she, there was a proposal, there was an instruction or a suggestion of Rasulullah She never rejected it. She went wholeheartedly into it. She was also blessed. What did they do? They looked at the compass. What does my compass say? We may not be, we may not be faced with this type of proposal, but we will be faced on a daily basis of various sunnahs of Rasulullah wasallam. Are we fulfilling them or not? An incident is recorded regarding Yes Dajird. Yes Dajird was the last king of Persia. He sent a complaint. He sent an ambassador from Persia to China requesting the Chinese emperor to aid and support him with the complaint that these Arabs are walking into my land. They're coming from the Arab lands, from Jaziratul Arab. They're marching into Persia. And no matter how many men, weaponry and artillery we sent in front of them, they wipe everyone out. No one can stand in front of them. So the emperor of China, he asked the ambassador, I've received the, the letter of your king, but things don't make sense to me. From what I hear and what I understand, the Persians are larger in number in comparison to the Arabs. From a battle point of view, it doesn't make sense. How can a smaller number wipe out a larger number? So this is a bit of a dilemma for me. It looks like there's something wrong on your side, not on their side. The ambassador says, okay, ask me anything you want to know about these men. I'll give you their description. The first question the Chinese emperor asks, he tells him, Tell me, do they fulfill their pledges and their promises? He says, of course. Live alone amongst themselves, even if they make a pledge with us as non-believers. They hold on to it very, very firm. Next thing he asks him, what do they do when they, when they engage in battle? He says, they give us one of three options. Either we accept Islam and we're one of them. Or we pay the tax and they give us protection. Or lastly, we engage in fighting. Then he asks him, Ayuharrimu, how are they obedient? What's their response with regards to their elders? The elders in their community, their leaders. What's their take? He says, Anyone elder than them, you won't find any nation on the surface of the earth who shows more obedience than this class of people. Then he says, do they have anything which is forbidden and haram in their religion and things which are halal? He says, yes. And he gives them a list. These are the things haram and these are the things halal. He asks him one question. Whatever is haram, do they ever regard it to be halal? Or whatever is halal, do they ever regard it to be haram? He says, no, not at all. Never. They hold on to their deen as strong as pegs on the earth. They don't shift for a moment. Then this emperor of China, he tells the ambassador a very important statement. What does he say? Inna haulail qom la yahlikuna abada hatta yuhillu haramahum wa yuharimu halalahum. He says, you know, these people are so firm, but if we ever want to destroy them somewhere along the line, I'll give you the recipe. He gave it to him fourteen hundred years ago, thirteen hundred years ago. He mentioned the statement that these are people we'll never ever be able to destroy till Qiyamah comes, until we manage to get them to regard their halal as haram and their haram as halal. Until they begin breaking their own deen, that's where their strength lies. If you want to break them, you've got to break this. Then he told him, 
He wrote back to Yes Dajjit and he told him, I got one piece of advice to you. These people are so firm, they've got such divine qualities that is bringing divine help. Leave alone China, leave alone Persia. If this class of people decide to destroy a mountain, they'll raise it to the ground until the mountain will turn to dust. Because they are engaging in divine qualities and they're getting divine help. Rather, not fight with them, make peace with them and carry on because you'll never beat such people. These Sahaba radiallahu anhum were, were successful in every campaign that they led. Wherever they went, they made success. Why? They looked at their kalima. They looked at their compass. All the time, this is what they were focusing towards. And they got victory even in the battlefield because of their qualities. As this person mentioned so clearly, you and I may not be fighting China, or fighting Persia, or fighting some type of physical battle. But yes, we've got a battle running in our lives every single day from the time we wake up till the time we go to bed. There are temptations, there are people, there are so many things coming to us from all sides. In order for us to win that battle, in order for us to sail across correctly, even our entire life, we've got tests coming to us at all times. We want to win every battle, the only way is to be firm on our deen. To be firm on that kalima, and really things will work out for us very, very well. May Allah Taala give us tawfiq to practice. May Allah Taala give us a tawfiq to hold on to the kalima, and may Allah make this compass of the kalima vivid to us at all times. Wa akhiru da'wan alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.